Today on Blue 58, Aaron Rodgers has finally shed some light on where he stands and the clock is now officially ticking on when, apparently not if, he'll be a member of the New York Jets. Let's break it all down together. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdank, happy to be with you here for another episode. And I guess in a way, happy that we didn't try to get an episode speculating on what Aaron Rodgers was going to do out this morning. Just kind of been slow playing this a little bit to see what Aaron Rodgers said. And as it turned out, he went on Pat McAfee's show and did kind of say something. He said a lot of things. Some of it I think is valuable. Some of it I think is not. If you haven't heard it by now, I would say probably go give it a watch just to kind of see it for yourself. Make up your own mind about about what you think was said there, what it means, what it may not mean. It's It's probably worth, if you're viewing this as a historical document, if this is a historic moment for the Green Bay Packers, for Aaron Rodgers, for one of the best players in Packers history, I think probably you owe it to yourself to to check in and say, okay, what did this look like? What was the tone like? How did he say these things? See it for yourself. I've considered pulling and playing some audio from it, but honestly, I'm not interested in parsing his overall words. So let's not do that. I think there's two important takeaways here. The first is that he wants to play for the New York Jets. He wants to play next season and he wants it to be for the New York Jets. The second is more, I guess, subtext than text, but it appears pretty clear that this is one side of the story. This is what Aaron Rodgers believes took place. This is his perspective on things. And I think that is valuable, even if it's not necessarily 100% the truth. If you want to get philosophical for a second, you can say in a conversation between two people, does either side ever have 100% of the truth as they're talking about you know, their perception of a given situation? I think the answer is probably no. In a situation like this, who's right and who's wrong is almost immaterial. I don't want to say entirely immaterial, but there are two sides here is the point. There's Roger's side, which he is very plain about. He thinks the Packers changed their minds a little bit while he was in the darkness. He wishes they were a little bit more forthright with him. And he decided after that, that he wants to play and he wants it to be the New York Jets. Whatever else is true about what he said or may not be true, I think that's the bottom line here, that he wants to play football in 2023 and wants to play for the Jets. So here's one question. What's next? For Rodgers and the Jets, I think this is a waiting game. He wants to play for the Jets, and I think he will play for the Jets eventually. And what kind of player they're getting is another part of this question, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Short-term-wise, I think you have to think a little bit about Rodgers' legacy. You can have the discussion about whether or not this damages his legacy in Green Bay. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I don't know if he really cares about that. I don't know if it really matters either. Because I think what we're getting here in 2023 is maybe a perspective we'd have had on a lot of guys in Packers history had they had access to this kind of platform too. I mean, think back to 2008 for those of you who were dialed in on the Packers back then. A lot of what went down with Brett Favre happened out of the public eye. Unless some reporter was going to make the retri- uh, once, uh, unless some reporter was going to make the trip down to Mississippi, we just weren't hearing from Favre. He wasn't offering things up himself. 
he wasn't going on a talk radio show once a week, once a month, whenever, and saying, well, here's where I'm at. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It was basically silence until things started to come out in dribs and drabs as things built up momentum into that summer of 2008. So yes, maybe it is a little bit more painful to hear directly from Rogers his side of how things went down and how it affected him and things like that, but I'm not sure it's entirely different from where we were in in previous eras of Packers history. And really, guys hemming and hawing, even all-time greats hemming and hawing about where they want to go and what they want to do is not all that new. Rewinding it to the Lombardi era, Forrest Gregg retired like three different times from the Packers, even going so far as to formally announce it and then coming back to the Packers later on. This isn't that new. I think our access is just new, and that colors some of our opinions. So 20 years from now, 10 years from now, maybe even five years from now, I think the view about how this went down is going to be a little bit different. It does, I think, give us a little bit more insight into Rodgers as a person, and if that bothers you, I understand. If it doesn't, if you just want to look at what he's done on the field, I think I appreciate that perspective too. And as far as the on-field stuff goes, he goes down as one of the greats in Packers history for sure. You can take issue, I think, with his statement that no one has ever bled green and gold like me. Eh, that's a hard thing to quantify, isn't it? But he is one of the all-time great and most productive players in Packers history. Oddly enough, only the career leader in one volume stat, passing touchdowns, comes in second in yards, second in completions, and second in attempts to Brett Favre, but that probably is due to just having more time as the Packers' number one starting quarterback than Favre, or than Rodgers did. He is first in career passer rating, obviously the four MVPs, a Super Bowl win, a great career in Green Bay. There's really no need to quantify where he fits in Packers history because it's right near the top. You're, I think, quibbling at that point. I'm never going to be a guy who says he is definitively the greatest in Packers history in anything. I think my track record on that is pretty well established because that's just not something that I'm interested in, in talking about. He is, though, one of clearly the greats in Packers history. But what is he for the Jets in 2023? That is an interesting question, though. The Jets have been banging the drum for a veteran quarterback for a while now. And I think what they need to be hoping for is that you are getting either 2021 Aaron Rodgers or 2019 Aaron Rodgers. 2021, obviously the better of the two there, but probably not his best year with the Lafleur system. I think 2020, by far his best year in the Lafleur era, was great that year, had great talent around him, and the Packers, if not for David Bakhtiari tearing his ACL, probably are in the Super Bowl there. 2019 is better than 2022, which is why I put it up there. And it was, more importantly than that, way better than where the Jets were in 2022. It wasn't a great season by Rodgers' standards, but it was still very, very good. You can win a Super Bowl with 2019 Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm sure of it. And the Packers were at least in the conversation to be able to do that. Matched up against just about anybody else, I think, in the NFC playoffs that year, they probably do get to the Super Bowl. I think as we saw in the 2019 season, among NFC contenders, the San Francisco 49ers were a pretty uniquely terrible matchup for the 2019 Green Bay Packers, which is, to be fair, why the 49ers rightly ended up in the Super Bowl that year. But I think if you're the Jets and you feel like you can get a 2019 season out of Aaron Rodgers at minimum, 
you feel pretty good about making this trade. Which leads us to Brian Gutekunst. What is his job right now? Well, let's rewind a little bit from where he is right now to talk about how we got here. Because whether you entirely believe Aaron Rodgers' side of the story or not, I think it's fair to say that Brian Gutekunst has some poor communication skills. Basically, since 2020, a big part of the problem here is that Brian Gutekunst doesn't communicate with Aaron Rodgers in a way that Aaron Rodgers would like. And normally, I don't think you have to worry a whole lot as the GM of an NFL football team about tailoring your communication style to each and every player. However, when it's a player who is in the conversation to be either the best at his position in the entire league, say a Devontae Adams, or an Aaron Rodgers who's in conversation to be the MVP on any given year, you probably owe it to yourself to at least say, hey, here's what we're thinking. Here's exactly what we want to do. And if you take Aaron Rodgers' words at face value, at least about this offseason, the Packers haven't really given Rodgers a clear idea of what they want to do directly. They have said, apparently to him, if you take his words again, his words, we got to emphasize that because we haven't heard directly from Brian Gutekunst with, well, with some small caveats there. We can unpack that in a second. We, to hear Rodgers tell it, though, the Packers seem to have said, hey, if you want to play next year, we're fine with that. If you want to retire, we're fine with that, too. If you're trying to make a decision, what does that really give you to go on? There's nothing to push back against there. There's nothing to build your decisions on. And maybe you don't think the Packers deserve or are obligated to give Aaron Rodgers that sort of answer. But I think if you're Aaron Rodgers, it's it's fair to be a little bit miffed at that. And I think we have a pattern of Brian Gutekunst not communicating well with players in Aaron Rodgers' category. Whether you believe Devontae Adams was right in his contract demands or not, it doesn't seem that he got a good feeling from his conversations with Brian Gutekunst. And I think there are other players that you can talk about too. There's been stuff, some stuff about Corey Lindsley, how he felt going out the door, uh, Brian Bulaga, Jordy Nelson's exit from Green Bay, obviously was a little bit controversial too. You can add up all these things. Even if you think the Packers are making the right decision, there's a way to make the right decision that's not hurting you overall with your um, reputation in the league and your reputation in your own own locker room. And I think the balance of the evidence would suggest at the very least that Brian Gutekunst has some problems with that. That None of that is to say that Gutekunst has been incorrect in any of these circumstances. Jordy Nelson, I think, was done. Could he have probably have been better than, say, Jimmy Graham in 2018 and 2019? Sure, yeah, probably. But I think part of getting the most out of Aaron Rodgers in 18 and 19 is moving on from a guy like Jordy Nelson. Corey Lindsley, too. You feel like you can replace him? That's fine. That may be correct. You still owe it to yourself to communicate well with a guy like that. You can go down the list, go down the list, go down the list. Part of your job is to make people feel like they have a voice, even if you don't agree with them. And that's, that is a very difficult management style to have. And I'm not even saying that's something that I have, but being able to disagree with someone who is your functional subordinate while doing what's best for your organization in relation to that subordinate is crucially important, and it doesn't seem like Gutekunst has that. However, all of that functionally is water under the bridge at this point because we've arrived at the point where he needs to make the ultimate decision on moving on from Aaron Rodgers. He's got a a chance to do it and get what he wants rather than what Aaron Rodgers wants, which is to play, well, 
<laughs> to go out on his own terms. He wants to go out on some terms. What terms those are going to be is kind of up to Brian Gutekunst right now. And I think as a result, it is time to wait. That is a frustrating thing to say as someone who's been sorting out a, a chance to say something about this or, or you know, get a, the opportune time to weigh in on this. Because if it's me, I would have hoped something would have been resolved by now. And I think that's kind of the timeline that Aaron Rodgers has seemed to want to set. He seems to have want, wanted to have it resolved by now, too. That's kind of the, the timeline that he has said. He wanted to have things resolved by the start of free agency. And the Packers kind of has said something along those lines, too. The thing is, they don't have to. Because their cap picture regarding Aaron Rodgers really doesn't change until they have to pick up his option bonus and deliver that big check. And that happens around week one. Which, seeing as how we are on March 15th, is a ways away. Now, something is going to be resolved between now and then. I wouldn't suggest, I wouldn't begin to suggest that the Packers are going to wait all the way until week one to move on from Aaron Rodgers. But they are also in the position of having something that the Jets want and being able to wait a little bit because the Jets don't have a total ton of other options. I think the Packers do have some leverage here. Because like I've said, the, Pack, the Jets have been talking about wanting a veteran quarterback since the end of the regular season. And who are the other veteran quarterbacks that could be close to as good as Aaron Rodgers was in 2022 who are out there on the market right now? I can tell you the answer. There are none. There just isn't a guy out there who is going to be, even in his declining phase, what Rodgers was in 2022. And this is the point where you would point out that if you are a pro Rodgers person, you would say he had a broken thumb for much of 2022 and a supporting cast that was in rough shape for a lot of the year and an offensive line on top of that that was in pretty rough shape too. So if you think you are in position to offer an interesting asset like that and the Jets have said that they want it and the asset himself says, well, I really just want to play for the New York Jets, I think you're in a position to tell the Jets, hey, all right, give me something here. Let's have a conversation. What does that leverage amount to then? First and foremost, waiting. And then second, the compensation. The Packers, if you believe Tom Pelissero, are asking for multiple first. Basically, the Matt Stafford package from when he went from Detroit to Los Angeles. I don't think that's off the table. I'm also not holding my breath for that. I would love to get that. But I think some combination starting with a first-round pick and is where I would want the conversation to start if I'm Brian Gutekunst. In fact, I think as of right now, if you pick up the phone to call me and the first words out of your mouth aren't a 2023 first-round pick and I'm probably hanging up the phone because the Packers are going to have to take on, regardless of what the conversation ends up looking like, they are going to have to take on a pretty significant cap hit for Aaron Rodgers this season. What it ultimately looks like is is going to be a part of that conver compensation conversation too, but that is part of it. It's going to hurt the Packers a little bit to trade Aaron Rodgers from a salary perspective. So we're going to hurt ourselves here. What can you do to make that worth my while? And you really want this guy. I have him. What can you do to make that worth my while? The complicating factors here are at least threefold. First, who's taking on what contract-wise? And that was a big part, if you're looking at the Matt Stafford deal, that was a big part of that 
situation. The the not the Packers. The Lions took on a lot of uh, Jared Sto- uh, Jer- Jared Goff's Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff, the two people involved there. They took on a lot of his contract to make that work. Who's going to take what in terms of making the money work for Aaron Rodgers? That's a key holdup here. Second thing I can think of is what does Rodgers' contract look like after 2023? Right now, there's a pretty significant bonus slated for early to mid-February. It's, it's always hard to say what's early and what's mid-February because the month is so much shorter. But for, say, six-ish, four to six days after the Super Bowl, give or take, that is a part of his contract, which really affects what things look like for 2024 for him. So what does that end up looking like? Is he willing to, to give up on that? What mechanisms are even in place there? I can't begin to tell you that is not my domain as a, a Packers person here. But what that looks like after this year is a part of this conversation. And finally, what is Aaron Rodgers himself doing after 2023? If I'm the Jets, I'm saying, well, we for sure want him for this year. And if he wants to play for next year, if he's still good, we'd love to be a part of that too. But we don't know for sure that he's in for 2024. So I would want to make everything conditional if I'm the Jets for 2024. If I'm the Packers, I'm saying, look, man, that's not my problem. I've got him here. If he doesn't want to play for me, his options are retire or, you know, come in here and be a backup. We can really, you know, do some things with his contract after June 1st anyway. If you're worried about what he does in 2024, I am not. So that is, again, your problem. So figure it out for yourself. But I think it is a question that the Jets are going to have to weigh here. And as a result, it does affect the Packers here. As far as Brian Gutekunst goes, I think we need to circle back to our Dr. Strange line that we use from Endgame from time to time or from Infinity War. This is the Endgame. We are in the Endgame now. This is the natural endpoint from the chain of events that Gutekun set in motion in 2020. When he selected Jordan Love in the first round, at some point we were going to end up in some version of this. It may not have been clear exactly what that looked like, but the clock started that day in April 2020, when he said, we're going to, we're looking at a future beyond Aaron Rodgers, right or wrong. That started all of this. So let's talk about Jordan Love for a second. Where is he as of right now? As of this very moment, he has 83 career pass attempts in the regular season and one start. At the same point in his career, when he was getting set set to take over as the Packers starting quarterback, Aaron Rodgers had 59 attempts and no starts. Counting preseason, you can throw in another 109 attempts for Jordan Love, bringing us to 192 total. It's not a lot. And I think trying to be as fair as possible, I think he is more than a prospect, but I'm not sure how much more, and I'm not sure anybody really knows. The Packers think they know, or may think they know, but they're also just at a point where they want to find out. And I think that's more important than knowing for sure. They may not know for sure what love is, but they know they're ready to find out and they're ready to figure out how things look post Aaron Rodgers, whether it's with Jordan Love for 2024 and beyond or somebody else. I think it's probably true that the Packers aren't winning a Super Bowl in 2023 with Love or Rodgers. Can't say that for sure, obviously, but I think it's probably true. But we're in a position where we're going to get to find out. I think it's fair to say that love is raw. Maybe not as raw as somebody just coming in this year, and we've got a great 
give a bit of a plug for our, our Patreon and uh, Discord and all that. We've got a great question coming up in, in an AMA segment that I'm releasing hopefully this week or next um, about whether or not I would take Jordan Love or one of the quarterback prospects in the draft to start in 2023. I want to say that's um, like if, if Jordan Love was coming out 2020 in 2023, I don't know what the answer is there exactly. But I think it's it's if you just look at 2023, if it's Love or a draft pick this year, even one of the best guys in the draft, I think you probably take Love risking the sunk cost fallacy here just because of how much you've invested in him at this point. If you've put this time into to figuring out whether or not he can be an NFL starter and he hasn't had a chance to be an NFL starter yet, I think you do owe it to yourself at least a little bit to figure out what that future looks like if he's going to be an NFL starting quarterback. So what do we need to see from him this year? Since the comparisons are going to be inevitable anyway, that's how they were for early Aaron Rodgers, I think looking at Aaron Rodgers' 2008 season is a good starting point because although the Packers were good at moments there, the Packers also finished 6-10 and that year, and a big reason for that was because Aaron Rodgers was not necessarily great in the second half of that season. There were a lot of opportunities left on the table, I think at the very least, for 2008 Aaron Rodgers that he probably would have come up with later in his career. So to put a cute little phrase on it, I would say the baseline expectation for Jordan Love in 2023 is don't be the reason that the Packers are losing games. I think if you're trying to build around Jordan Love, the number one thing that you want to see is that he is not going to actively make you worse and actively take you out of games. That's one of the biggest drawbacks, I think, with young quarterbacks is they just can have a way of dragging down so much of the rest of the team around them just because they're not ready to play in on a game-in, game-out basis like an NFL starting quarterback needs to. They may have flashes. They may have potential. They may even show you a good stretch of three or four games or even just one or two games or a drive here, a drive there that makes them look like they may be future players, but at least in the short term, they're not ready to be there yet. I think Love needs to be past that here heading into year four. He needs to be ready to at least, if not be the reason that they're winning games, avoiding being the reason that they're losing games in 2000 or 2023, almost in 2008, showing my own age here sometimes. The final question then is what can he be? And given what we've seen from him so far, in the amount that we've seen him so far, I don't know if we have an answer. But we can say for the sure for sure that that is the real question because that ultimately is the end game that we have talked about. If Jordan Love is as good as Brian Gutekunst and the Packers think that he is, everything to this point has been worth it. Missing Super Bowls in 2020 and 2021 because you chose not to invest the 2020 draft into the 2020 season at all, really, goes by the wayside because you'll be contending for Super Bowls from, if not 2023, maybe 2024 into 2034 or 2038. Who knows? If he's as good as the Packers think he can be, it was worth the chaos in the 2021 offseason. The draft day report that Jordan or that Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to come back to the Packers and then the, I guess, subsequent groveling by the Packers to get him back in the building for that season. If he ends up being as good as they think he is, the chaos in the 2022 offseason, much shorter lived, but still chaotic there for a while, is worth it. 
And of course, everything the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love have gone through this offseason will be worth it as well. Because if Jordan Love is the next big thing, none of that matters. And I think going back to that night in April 2020, the big reason I was against the Jordan Love pick was because the the path to success for that pick making sense for the Packers was so thin. And we are on, if you view it as a mountain, the upper portion of that path right now. Things are getting high. Things are getting tricky. Things are to the point where if you slip and fall, it's getting to be really bad for you. That's the reality of the path that Brian Gutekunst put himself and the Packers on that day. The path to success is narrow because if Jordan Love ends up being just a guy, maybe this season, maybe he doesn't show flashes of promise, then you're really in trouble because do you commit to him for 2024? Do you commit to him for 2025? Do you give him a Daniel Jones-esque contract where he ends up making $40 million a year to be just a cog in a machine, not a guy who's really going to elevate your your audience or your, your offense? That is a problem. And if he's not the next big thing, Brian Gutekunst's job probably should be in jeopardy. It should be in jeopardy. Why? Because... Not only did you fail in the short term, you failed in the long term too. You didn't think you were going to contend with Aaron Rodgers in 2020. So you drafted a quarterback and then he turned out to be bad. You missed. You tried and you lost and you missed and you missed bad. And you objectively can't say that you did everything you could to make the Packers contender while you had a quarterback who was capable of playing at an MVP level. You couldn't say that. And that is the ultimate transgression as a GM. Missing on that point is missing on the job in whole, in summary, in total, I guess. You have failed at the basic thing you need to do as an NFL GM if you can't maximize a window where you've got a guy who's capable of playing at an an NFL MVP level. You could argue that Gutekunst didn't think that Rodgers was capable of playing at that level. But I think history pretty definitively would show him wrong there too because he showed that he could. He did. He won two MVPs. He put the Packers in position to to at least be ready to go to the Super Bowl. If you want to put all of the 2020 NFC Championship game loss on Rodgers, you can, I guess. If you want to, I wouldn't agree with you. Uh, But you know, you could argue that investing a couple things at other positions might have helped put the Packers over the top. And, you know, while we're on the subject, Devontae Adams, catch one of two passes where the football hits your hands in the end zone in the 2020 NFC Championship game. Just a thought. Um, high, de- high degree of difficulty for sure. But uh, if we're going to blame Aaron Rodgers for that game, I think we should share a little bit of blame for some other guys too. In any case, we are as officially as ever, into the point where we're at the beginning of the end. How many qualifiers can I put on that? The end is near, I guess, if we're going to play Prophet of Doom here. The end is near. Aaron Rodgers says he doesn't want to play for the Green Bay Packers anymore. He says that he is moving on to the New York Jets, or would like to move on to the New York Jets. And now it's time for the Packers to see what they can get to build their future. What that ends up being... I don't know, but we're going to be here to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about it with you. I think 
to put a bow on it for myself, um, it, it, it is hard. It is, it's tough to move on from this era. You don't have to be happy about it. Even if you recognize, even if you believe that this is the right thing to do. I think being frustrated that the Packers got to a point where trading Aaron Rodgers is the right thing to do for the franchise. I, I mean that if you're frustrated by that, I think that's okay. I think that's a hard place to be in as a fan. Why would you want to get to a point if you're sitting with the the 2011 Packers? Aaron Rodgers is is winning MVP. The Packers are 15 and one. Why would you ever want to envision a future where the right thing to do would be, well, we're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers. This guy was you know won us a Super Bowl. Now won his first MVP. I don't think anybody ever wants to be at that point. So if you're frustrated with that, I think that's fair. But to echo something I, I wrote for our Patreon last week, it's also hard not to be interested here. Because times of transition are always, always going to be interesting. Because every decision just matters, right or wrong, it, it seems to at least, matter more. Because the big decisions... You've got to nail those, obviously. If the Packers end up trading Aaron Rodgers for like a fourth-round pick, that seems like it's probably a miss in that category. It seems like they have a lot of leverage, and getting less than they probably could would be a miss there. But there's a host of other small decisions here, too, that are going to end up being important that we might not even know about yet. How do the Packers handle their quarterback coach situation? Tom Clements is back for this year. What does it end up be being like going forward? Do they put pieces around Jordan Love? What does his offensive line look like? Do they get him support on defense? How does the Packers' defense shake out this year? All of those things are going to matter for Jordan's lo- Jordan Love's success too. And that we get to talk about them as fans who root for this team together is interesting to me and exciting to me. And I hope... I can communicate that excitement to you as well because that, I think, is part of my job here as a podcaster, as someone who writes about the Packers. Getting you excited about the things that excite me about the team is important. And I hope that I can get you, even if you don't agree, even if you're a huge Rodgers fan, even if you're a huge Gutekunst fan, even if you just want the team to be good, getting you excited about the things that are happening around the Packers right now is so important. And I I hope that that comes through in all of this, regardless of what goes down with Rodgers. In the meantime, we continue to wait, but we'll be right here with you, covering the story, covering what's going on, covering the draft, because we've almost had a couple episodes off now not talking about the draft, and uh, I'm I'm ready to do that too. So let's figure out what it's going to be and uh, what the Packers are going to do next. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I'd appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think is going to enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the next era of the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.